Are you enjoying the warm weather? You know, my daughter checked the, it's a 15-day forecast now on the phone, which, you know, it's going to change 25 times between now and then because we live in Northeast Ohio. But the forecast as of now for Christmas Eve is 65 degrees. So get your summer dresses out. (laughs) You don't need to wear a sweater to Christmas Eve service. We might have the air going on in here. But crazy, crazy weather, but I'm enjoying the warmth and the lack of snow. Who's with me? <laughs> but um, I have a PowerPoint. Did, they, did you all find it back there? Um, we're going to talk about the Christmas story tonight. And um, the title of, of this one in the series is Oh, the Wonder. And I was um, reading through the Christmas story, and we've all read Luke chapter 2, how many of you? Hundreds, if not thousands of times. And we can sometimes get desensitized to the Christmas story. We can get desensitized to the meaning of it, especially these days with all of the bombardment of commercials and Facebook and Instagram and videos and funny things. And so I have a few things that have helped, helped us desensitize over the last year or two. So let's go through our little slideshow. You have the Black Friday memes. So you can make it early for Black Friday shopping, but can't make it to church because it's too early. How many of you have seen those online? Anybody? And next we have another Black Friday meme, I think. They start camping out on Monday so they can save $50 on a TV. So these are the images that we're bombarded with every time we go online. Next. You mean to tell me that people trample others for sales exactly one day after being thankful for what they already have. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. And then you have the pop culture memes. There are two kinds of people when Christmas decorations appear in the shops. We have Buddy the Elf, and then we have So It Begins. Because you know the Christmas decorations come out when? September. September, which is likely when Jesus was actually born, but my goodness, we celebrate in December. So the next one we have is, I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. So we see these. These are the images that we're bombarded with every time we think about Christmas. You have the controversial memes. How many of you, how many of you have heard of the controversy of the red cup? If you're not online, you maybe not have heard the controversy of the Red Cup. Apparently, Starbucks hates Christmas now because there isn't any other decoration on their Red Cup. I personally think it was a distraction of the media so the government can get away with something. But hey, there you go. We have the controversial memes. Then we have the funny memes. And that, my friend, is how you pack away the Christmas tree. Who does this? Go ahead. Raise your hand. I do this. <laughs> to my Christmas tree that's on my front porch, I wrap that sucker in saran wrap and stick it in the attic. The next one is, we'll give him gold and frankincense, but wait, there's myrrh. <laughs> and then we have the Christian memes. We're going to keep Christ in Christmas, aren't we? And we're going to... One unplanned pregnancy saved us all. And I saw this and I get it, right? Respect to life. I get the meme, but I really don't like it. I got, the more I got to thinking about it, the more I thought this was the most planned pregnancy ever. <laughs> so I get the concept of it, but mm, not so much. And we have all the names. 
Now we have all the names of Jesus. Jesus, he's the word of God, our peace, the Lamb of God, anointed one. We're bombarded on every side with images of Christmas. And our last one is, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called, say it with me, wonderful, mighty God, counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace. Amen. And what we want to do and what we've said in the whole series is, and I really like how they made that nice and cool in the shape of a Christmas tree and everything, but what we want to do is take a step back from all the distractions. Take a step back from all the bombardment that we get every time we open our eyes and open our ears and turn our TVs on and turn on our computer. And we want to get back to that first Christmas night. And we want to take a deep breath and we want to wonder. And so as I was reading through this story, um, just a few things stood out to me like last week. And again, I'm not going to teach you anything you likely haven't heard before. This isn't a new revelation. This isn't something, again, it's just whooping and hollering. But what we want to do is go deeper into him. Is that okay? So let's read through the Christmas story. We'll stop here and there and make a comment. And then I have some other things to read, but... God is good. Father, we just thank you for these minutes and this time that we have to gather around your word, to hear about your son, to drink from the river of life. And I just pray that each and every one of us would leave with a deeper sense of wonder of who you are, of what Jesus did for us, of the life and the power of God that's on the inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 starts like this. At the time, at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And we talked about this a little bit last week, how the purpose of the census, because they were under the Roman government, the purpose of the census was so that the government would make sure everybody was counted to tax them. (laughs) Good times. (laughs) To make sure that they got, you know, counted so they could gather enough tax from everybody. And so there was a verse in Isaiah, I think there was also one in Jeremiah, that talked of the Savior coming from Bethlehem. Well, Mary and Joseph were from Nazareth, which we talked about last week was like the armpit of Israel. <laughs> like nobody lived there. It was, it was just a disgraced and not a great place to be from. But the word foretold, and remember the whole central theme of the book of Luke is that God is faithful to his promise. He fulfills his word. And the whole... the The prophecies have come forth that Jesus would be born in Nazareth, so God used the government, God used a tax to fulfill his word. So we don't want to put any limits on God, what he can do, what he can maneuver, what he can manipulate to make sure his word's going to come to pass. He's a big God. He can do whatever we want, whenever he wants, through whomever he wants. Okay? So I just love that he used a tax to bring his word to pass. Say, God is faithful. And Joseph took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. 
And just a note on this too is that Mary didn't have to go. It was the men who had to go be counted. Mary didn't have to go, but Joseph took Mary with him. doesn't say why. Maybe he didn't want to miss the birth of his child. I mean, my goodness, the prophecies, the angel coming to him in a dream, who would want to miss that? Maybe that's why. Maybe because of the circumstances surrounding her birth, he didn't want to leave her there because she might not have had anyone to help her. We don't know what was going on in her family. She could have been despised in the community because of what it looked like. But for whatever reason, Mary, at the end of her pregnancy, clearly, because by the time they got there, she had the baby. I mean, I don't know how long it took to travel. I didn't study that deep. But when I was eight months pregnant, I wanted to to go on a long airline flight. And my doctor said, no way. So (laughs) just to get on a donkey and travel that far, when you're that close to having a baby... No thanks. But she went with him, and God fulfilled his word that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Verse 7. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. One verse one verse. All the culmination of all the promises of God and all the prophecies of the Messiah was fulfilled in one verse. And as I read this and as I was preparing for this, I wrote a poem. I posted on my blog today. Some of you might have seen it. But this is the whole premise of what I want us to take away from tonight. And it's called, Oh, the Wonder. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And there, in one verse, is the longing of millions of hearts who searched for him for centuries, who waited, craving a Savior. In one verse, so unassuming, laid the heart of the Father. Love so divine, hidden in a baby, born in a barn, humbly, No fanfare, no paparazzi, yet all the hosts of heaven were looking on, watching, as the faithfulness of God lay in a feeding trough, sleeping, unaware yet full of purpose, unexpected yet anticipated. Heaven and earth collided in a silence broken only by the baby's cry. Eternity was chasing time and immortality was condemned to die at birth, and he chose it on purpose. Love came down and stayed. It wasn't a quick visit, but a new way of life and ever-abiding presence. Emmanuel, God is with us now. Oh, the wonder. Love leaves nothing the same. Everything in the path of this hurricane is touched. It has to bend to move to change. The one who threw the stars in place and breathed life into the earth and made everything out of nothing at all came searching, longing, chasing me relentlessly. A simple birth, a humble life, a humiliating death for me. And now he's my brother, his father, my father. I've been adopted by love. I belong. He chose me. She gave birth to her first child, a son. 
Nine words that changed everything forever for you, for me. Rescued, restored, renewed, loved. I am his and he is mine. Never lose the wonder. I feel like so many times we just go home through the Christmas story and I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of being more concerned of everything I still have yet to get done for Christmas. And even as I was preparing this and sitting in my chair and, and trying to get through writing my notes in my, my journal so that I had something to say to you all tonight, and I got stuck on that verse and I got stuck there for hours. And I thought, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much we get through as long as what we get through matters. It doesn't, how much, doesn't matter how much we get done as long as what we do get done matters. If you intended to, to encourage ten people today and you only did one, you may count. We don't want to lose the life, the wonder in the midst of just life. Because what is life without his wonder? Life is meaningless without his purpose. Amen? So in one little verse, we see the culmination of all of time coming together. And he was born. And she laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him. By this sign, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And I love that word, you will recognize him. Because next week we're going to look at the rest of the story, and we're going to see some other different things that happened after his birth and on into his life. And so many people didn't recognize him because they weren't, he wasn't what they expected him to be. Right? You will find him... A baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And so they talked about Messiah. They talked about Savior. They were expecting someone to come just free them from the rule and the tyranny of the Roman Empire. And what they got was a baby. (laughs) Born in a barn. We're talking cows, donkeys. Who said... Who preached that message, babe? There are no poopless cows. Bill, who said that? Oh, that was from Sisterhood yesterday. There are no poopless cows, right? (laughs) We're talking a barn. I mean, he was laid in a pig's feeding trough. So there were animals and all the stuff that animals bring with them. It was stinky. It was dirty. It was humble. So the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, we saw all his names on that slide, right? The Lord of Glory, 
the creator of all things whose footstool was the earth and the heavens can't contain him, can bind himself into the body of a baby. He didn't come as a man. He came as a baby who needed to be taught how to eat, who needed to be taught how to walk, how to talk, who needed to be potty trained, right? Humble. The most important person who would ever be born, ever. And there was no earthly fanfare. There was no press conference. (laughs) There was no photo op. I mean, if you just contrast it even to what we've seen recently in Will and Kate's babies, right? With the 200-year-old christening dress that has been passed down from generation to generation. And holding, you know, stepping out in the palace and all of the important people there. And the birth announcements that go out. The shepherds were the only ones that got a birth announcement to Jesus' birth. The shepherds who represent us, the nobodies. The mundane people who were just working in the fields, who were not the who's who. They weren't leaders or wealthy or in any popular group. And that's who Jesus peeled back the curtain of heaven for, to give them the birth announcement of the King of Glory. Just like us. They got to see that. The shepherds got to see that. The shepherds got to see God coming down and intermingling with his man. They were the only ones that got the birth announcement. (laughs) We sent birth announcements, I think, only with Allie, because I don't think it was, like, popular before then. But um, we sent out birth announcements with Allie's picture and weight and birthday and everything on him to our immediate family and friends. How many of you got one of those? Because you, you send them out to your immediate family and your most intimate friends. And the shepherds got the birth announcement. That's who he picked to reveal the birth of the son to. It's not our address. It's not our last name. It's not the family that we're born into, the size of our bank account. What kind of car we drive that determine our value, that determines our purpose, that determines whether or not we have any kind of destiny in the kingdom of God. The only thing that gets to determine that is whose we are. And the only ones that can limit how far you go or I go in my purpose and in my destiny is me, is you. It's what we think. Because whose we are and who he's made us, there's no ceiling to what we can do for him. We put a ceiling on it with our minds and we limit ourselves with our thoughts. We don't act always like who we are. We act like who we think we are. I watched a movie one time about a woman who got a head injury and then she had amnesia. And she wasn't a super nice person. And so the person that found her decided to play a joke on her. 
She was super wealthy, and he was super not. (laughs) And he told her, this is my wife, you're my wife. And so she didn't, you know, she wasn't acting like who she was. She was acting like who she thought she was. So we need to hook ourselves up and our minds up to what he says about us. I love the season of Advent. You know, Advent means waiting. It's that season of that 24 days before Christmas. Where I read an Advent book. Does anybody else read one? Am I the only one? Am I the only one? People. Ann Boskamp. Look up her Advent book. It's phenomenal. <laughs> but um, I, I'm actually a little behind in it. I haven't even gotten to day one. But I'm going to get there. I read the introduction. I'll get there but what I am reading I'm paying attention it's counting but um, means waiting but you know we are still in Advent because he this was talking about his first coming he's coming again folks (laughs) and there's a work to be done here before he comes And he needs a church who knows who she is to get that work done. Because he has never changed. So the miracles and the signs and the wonders that you read about, and I read about in the Bible, that he did in the book of Acts, that he's done all throughout church history, he's not done with those. We limit that up here. He needs a church that is going to believe who that we are who he says we are. And that we can do what he says we can do. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's not our address. It's I am his and he is mine. So they recognized him by finding a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Say, God is pleased with me. me. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. And I love that. You know, if they were living now, they'd have totally gotten their selfie stick out and been, you know, trying to get the angels in the background and doing a Snapchat and (laughs) posted a video on Facebook of the heavenly choir going. And that's how they would have told everybody, right? So they went and they told everybody about what the angel had said to them and about the child that they saw, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. I love that. God is faithful. He fulfills his promises. It happened just as the angels had told him had told them. And so I want to just take a second here and say, are we being like the shepherds? 
Or are we getting a little ho-hum in some of the things in our relationship with God? I want to read this. I read this in a book. Have any of you ever heard of E. Stanley Jones? He was a missionary to India back in the day. But um, amazing, amazing man of God. But he wrote this in his autobiography, talking about salvation. He said, So a sense of the deepest gratitude a human is capable of knowing takes possession of me when I think of what I would have been had conversion not intervened and turned life into new channels. When the Memorial Church moved, which is where he got born again at their altar, When the Memorial Church moved farther out the Frederick Road to a new site, they cut the altar rail where I knelt and was converted and made it into a prayer desk with an inscription on it. At this spot, Stanley Jones knelt and gave himself to Christ and invited others to do the same. Tradition says that Zacchaeus used to go and water the sycamore tree in which he first met the Lord. I can understand that. I go periodically to that spot and water it with my tears of gratitude, for there I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. And so the shepherds did this, and I wonder how many times when they were sitting out in that field did they imagine those angels singing and imagine what the angels said to them and remember going to see Christ in the manger. They were the only ones that got to see the baby in the manger the night he was born. And I wonder how many times in their minds they went back to that night. Messiah has come. I, every year on August 5th, remember when I dedicated my life to the Lord. It's my birthday. And I post on Facebook about it. I write in my journal about it. Because I want to remember When Jesus was born that night, when Mary had her first son, laid him in that manger, that was was when we got Emmanuel. That was when faith was made sight. That was when God was with us and everything changed forever and that abiding presence came to stay. Up until that time, in the Old Testament, the only one who could go into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, was the high priest. And it was only once a year, and it was with blood and all these rules and steps and regulations. And it was only to pour the blood on the altar to the cover of the sins of Israel for the next year. It wasn't to hang out with him. It wasn't to experience his presence. It wasn't to spend time with him and have conversations. It was to do a job. And if he messed up that job, he was a goner. And tradition says that he had uh, bells sewn to the bottom of his rope. And if those bells stopped tinkling, he had a rope tied to his ankle because you couldn't go in after him. They would pull him out of the Holy of Holies. And yet God is with us. And I think sometimes we can take for granted that God is with us. I I heard a minister say one time, years ago when that song first came out, 
I am a friend of God. That one? I'm not doing it justice, clearly. But um, that we shouldn't, that shouldn't be a big deal to us. It should just be relationship. We shouldn't just be overawed that God's our Father. He's our Father. We should just, like, take that in stride. My kids aren't overjoyed that I'm their parents, and that's just who I am. And I thought, I get what they were going for. (laughs) I do. But if I ever lose the sense of wonder that he, he is my father and that he calls me friend and that he is with me and he lives in me and his power, that same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and quickens my mortal body. If I ever lose the sense of wonder that I am a child of the most high God, please come smack me (laughs) because I don't ever want to get to the place where I take him for granted because that's where cold starts to come into the heart. And that is not a good place to be. We should be overawed and full of wonder that he is with us. God is with us. Let's never, ever take for granted the presence of God. And uh, my friend Jennifer was here a couple weeks ago on a Sunday morning, first service. Many of you met her. Um, She lives in Wisconsin and uh, does some ministry out there. We went to Bible school together, so I've known her for a lot of years. And uh, she called me yesterday, and we were talking, and she goes, you just don't know what you have there. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, the worship and the word and the moving of the spirit. And I think you had a song, Carmela, and it just made her cry. It just touched her heart because you know why? She doesn't have that moving of the spirit in her church. They don't really have a church out there that does that. She said the word is just so kind of not deep. (laughs) She goes, you don't really appreciate what you have. She goes, please hold on to it. I go, oh, don't worry. (laughs) We will. But I think sometimes we do take it for granted. We come in on Sunday morning and the presence of God is just here. Let us not ho-hum through that. Let us keep our wonder of, wow, Emmanuel, he did come. Heaven couldn't contain him. And yet he chose to come as a baby. And I love what he gave me in that poem where eternity was chasing time and immortality was condemned to die at birth. He knew it before he came as a baby that he was going to die on the cross and give his life a ransom for many. And let us never take that for granted. And I really want us to go a step further and be the shepherds because after seeing him, they went and told everybody. And a friend that said one time, That Jesus is like pumpkin roll. So good, you just don't want to keep it to yourself. (laughs) Except for I like to hoard the pumpkin roll and hide the pumpkin roll so I don't compare Jesus to pumpkin roll. Cinnamon rolls. Jesus is like my cinnamon rolls. So good, you want to give them away. (laughs) But let's be like those shepherds because it said after they saw him, they went and told everybody about Jesus. And you know what I love about the end of this section? And we're going to stop here in a minute because did you get my text? Can we sing? Oh, come all you faithful. Okay, I'll pay. 
But um, the shepherds left praising God. The people they told sat in astonishment, and Mary just pondered it all in her heart. And so all these different responses to the Savior, right? Some were exuberant praise, and some were, oh my goodness, and Mary's just like, help me understand this. (laughs) Tucking it away. And however you respond to him, it's good. As long as you respond to him. Right? Some of us are a little more exuberant in our praise. And I see it in my kids. Alex just goes at it. And Mitchell's like, to the vest. Cards to the vest. And we go home from church some days. I'm like, were you there? And (laughs) you get anything? Were you anywhere? But that's just him. He's not over-the-top exuberant. He keeps it all right here. He loves Jesus. He gets stuff in worship and blows me away. But it's okay to respond to him the way you respond to him. It's okay to just be you. But please don't ever lose the wonder and don't ever stop responding. Amen. I would like to just take a minute and sing, um, Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come, let us adore him. And can we just get our wonder back? If we've lost it, it's a good time to just say, You know what, Father, I I would just want to wonder. Fill me with your wonder. Father, fill us with your wonder. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Oh, come.
time just will praise your name. together with him. Father, I pray that as the days and the weeks go on, Father, as we hurl closer and closer to Christmas and the stress and the chaos that can come with it, Father, that in the midst of all of it, that we won't lose our wonder. Remind us, Father. Prompt us. Bring this all back up into our heart again to stand in awe and be filled with wonder of who Jesus is and what he's done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's good. Amen.